unfiltered. Broadcasting live from West Wichita in the KQAM studios. It's time for your weekend kickstart with Wichita's number one conservative talk radio host. This is Kansas Talk with Andy Hoosier. Yes, indeed it is. What's up? Welcome into it. It is Kansas Talk right here, Wichita's big talker. KQAM 1480 on that AM dial. If you have that smart radio, 99.7 HD4. If your radio is super smart and you want to hear us in high definition, we're on there. Also, a howdy to our friends out in Garden City, Kansas as well. Welcome into it on KIUL. Great to have you. Happy Saturday morning. Starting off another one here. What weird weather, man. I'm so confused. My brain hurts. I don't know whether it's wintertime. I don't know whether it's springtime. I don't know whether it's summertime. I'm not sure what's going on. We're either going to get snow like a couple days ago where it started like spitting like hard ice at me or something. Then it's supposed to be like 70 degrees today. It was supposed to be 50 yesterday. It was like kind of overcast and not really didn't quite get there. It was like 40 and chilly. I just I don't know what's going on. I'm so confused. Doesn't really matter. I guess. Thanks, Global Warming. Thanks, AOC. You've solved the day for us. Welcome into it. 316-721-8255. 316-721-TALK on the Maximum Outdoor Equipment Hotlines. would love to hear from you today. Got a lot to talk about. We have bottom of this hour. We'll get our state update from Topeka State Representative Paul Wagner from the Hutchinson area. We'll have him on the program. Haven't had uh, haven't chatted with him yet for this legislative session. So looking forward to talking with him. We'll talk about the tax bill. Will we see another attempt of a tax bill? Before the end of the session, plus uh, Medicaid issues, Governor Kelly finally coming to the realization, I think, to recognize and acknowledge the fact that we're not going to see Medicaid expansion in the state of Kansas under Republican leadership. It's just not going to happen. Dan Hawkins adamantly saying no this week. It's not under any circumstance would he be open to negotiation on that one, which is probably why Governor Kelly, even after pitching a tax cut, vetoed a tax cut because under no circumstance will she give anything that Republicans want. And they have to work for it really, really hard in order to make their bills happen. And obviously we have our own turncoats that didn't want to work with Republicans and Real, you know, giving us tax breaks. No, I'm not going to give up talking about that because I'm still kind of big, bitter and angry. <laughs> so we'll talk about that. Also, uh, top of next hour, new guest on the program, a good friend of mine, and he's actually the former mayor of the town that I reside in, and he's also with the Kansas Forest Service. We're going to talk about some of these wildfires going on uh, here in Kansas, down in Oklahoma and Texas, and those areas, obviously, the Oklahoma uh, state government has declared an emergency there. Texas declared an emergency with our ongoing wildfire issues. Again, strange weather because of what's going on right now. So we'll talk with Rodney Redinger. He's with the Kansas Forest Service. He'll be joining us uh, coming up here in just a little bit to talk about these ongoing wildfires, why they're happening so early on in the season, what we can do to prevent them, and what the summer may potentially look like. If we're having it this bad now, what the heck is the rest of the year going to look like? So we'll get to all that and more coming up. In just a little bit. Until then, though, open lines to you at 316-721-8255 on the Maximum Outdoor Equipment Hotlines. Speaking of the strange weather, uh, good news, which is exciting. It's pretty cool. The Wichita Starlight Drive-In Theater has officially opened as of last night, meaning you can pull up, have your car, be able to watch the big screen, watch the drive-in movie, which is really neat. I'm so glad that we still have one of these. But now we're in the season, apparently, where it's good enough weather to do so. 
at the end of February, beginning of March. Kind of a strange time for the movie theater to open up, but nonetheless, it is there. If you did want to partake, last night they had two movies playing, which was number one, Beekeeper. Highly recommend you watch that one, by the way. And Madam Web. I have not seen that one. I don't have any interest in watching that one. It's another superhero movie that they've continued on the legacy, and it is one of those extremely woke Disney Marvel movies that I don't think is going to be very successful at all. But they are trying to push the continued... I think I think the superhero fascination, finally, thank God, is just about over. The whole fascination with let's just make a massive amount of just superhero movies, I think it's done. And because they've gone so woke... And so progressive in their agenda for what these movies actually look like, they've just become terrible anyways. I didn't I, I stopped watching after like the first version of Thor and Spider-Man and whatever else other movies that are out there. I watched the first ones after like the fifth one. I'm like, yeah, you know, maybe they should probably stop these. But I do admit, I, I will say if you want to watch a good movie, Beekeeper is an amazing movie. Now. It is an action movie. Jason Statham, thank God, finally about uh, back in it doing just an awesome action movie. But there is a really cool storyline to this one. If you want to know what the Biden family looks like behind the scenes, if you want to know what the deep state of government's doing behind the scenes, they have literally made a movie that talked to what is the Biden family. <laughs> if you want to know what the Biden family behind the scenes looks like, watch Beekeeper. It's a fa- it's obviously it's a cool action movie with Jason Statham, but there's actually a really good storyline behind it, and it'll blow your mind with how they paralleled some things in current events right now with uh, the storyline of that movie. I think they're trying to tell us something, so highly recommend that one as well. Uh, all right, we got a lot to talk about today. There is some stuff going on here in Wichita. There's some things going on up in Topeka I want to cover. There is a kind of an interesting story that I found that Wichita is on a new list of a nationwide ranking and it's not a good list if you're curious or at least we're at the bottom of the list when it comes to things that we need to work on apparently there is a new study for the best and worst grocery stores in the nation and a grocery store in wichita has been ranked as the ninth worst grocery store in the entire country yeah i know Kind of surprising, right? Now, we still, I think this reinforces the idea that we have the food deserts, that we need to work on our uh, supply of actually providing food for individuals in in, uh, communities around here. But when we do have groceries, apparently we're still at the bottom of the list uh, for uh, the groceries that we actually provide. As according to Cake News, this story came out yesterday, that a recent study shows that the Wichita Walmart Supercenter that's here in town at, uh, located, by the way, at 501 East Pawnee Street. Now, no, no attack to Walmart here. This is just, for whatever reason, this particular store ranked the ninth worst in the entire nation, having an overall ranking of 3.7 stars and 8,100 reviews with people complaining with the number one complaint about customer service at this grocery store. Now, looking at the list, they show that overall that there are some key findings that grocery stores that are either Walmart, King Supers. I don't know if you've ever heard of a King Supers. They were in Colorado quite a bit when I where I grew up. Save a lot and Kroger's all came in as some of the least favorite grocery chains in the nation. Kind of interesting. Uh, according to the most popular, the most popular ones are 
Trader Joe's. Now we don't we don't have Trader Joe's around here, do we? We have Aldi's, which is like I guess the the sister company. It's under the same umbrella, so it's essentially the same thing. But uh, we don't have a Trader Joe's around here that I'm aware of. But Trader Joe's was the best overall grocery store, the particular one located in Gilbert, Arizona. The Trader Joe's, Costco, and Wegmans are America's favorite grocery store chains across the nation. But apparently, Kroger. And Walmart and King Supers, which I believe is a branch of uh, Kroger overall in their umbrella company, are ranked as some of the worst and least favorite grocery store chains in the nation. I, I know it's kind of an odd study, but the reason I bring it up is because I didn't realize that there was good or bad grocery stores. <laughs> I didn't realize that was the case. Now, I'm not the one, obviously, that goes grocery shopping. Mrs. Voice of Reason is the one that goes and does the grocery shopping. So I didn't know that there was a ranking of good and bad grocery stores. I thought they put food out on the shelf, and then you grab the food, and then you walk out, and you have food because it's a grocery store. I didn't realize that there were good and bad ones. So I, <laughs> outside of customer service, which I guess I can see, what else is there to rank on a grocery store? Is it like the quality of the food? Is it the the options and the variety that they have? I what are we talking about here? What is the ranking on good and bad grocery stores? Is it just the availability? Is it the consistency? I mean, is it the is it cleaner? I know that right now the push is trying to eat cleaner, so not having stuff that has pesticides sprayed all over it. Maybe a little bit more on the organic side. And by organic, I mean actually organic, not just having an organic sticker on it and then charge you three times the amount of food, uh, the amount just because it says organic on there, but actually having real organic food that you're trying to eat. So eating a little bit healthier, not having as many boxed things. I, I'm curious on why on how we rank actual grocery stores. I, I got to admit, I don't think I've ever gone grocery shopping at a Walmart superstore. I've seen the food there, but I've never gotten it. Just because I usually think of and just associate grocery stores as like around here for Wichita, it's Dillon's. Or in Colorado, we had King Stoopers and we had Safeway. And we I've been to a Kroger. In Ohio, I know this is kind of triggering for the other side of the aisle, but we've even had what's called a Chiefs. I know. I know. And Chiefs, that's where I grew up. In Ohio, we always used to go to Chiefs. Or we used to go to Aldi, and I still go to there quite often as well. Natural Grocers, um, which is... Kind of neat, but I'm curious, what's your ranking on grocery stores, and is there actually a difference on what grocery stores actually look like, and what grocery stores actually offer, and the quality of the product that's there? Is there a difference? Because I'm I'm kind of confused on how we can actually rank things. The only system I could look at would actually be something like customer service. Outside of that, I mean, what's the difference here? Three one six seven two one eight two five five. Is this just a, a guy talk here? Uh, I'm gonna get callers from the females being like, "Oh my god, Andy, come on, what's wrong with you? You need to go grocery shopping a little bit more, right?" Three one six seven two one eight two five five. Let's go to the phones here, shall we? The phones are lit up across the board. Line number one. Good morning. Who's this? This is Frederick. Frederick. Good morning, sir. How are you? Well, I wasn't going to call in this morning, but you hit me right between the eyes with uh, <laughs> that. Uh, Walmart there at uh, at Broadway and Pawnee, um, the ninth worst grocery store in the entire nation. What's what's going on there? Um, honestly, from the bottom of my heart, uh, I will not allow. Okay, I I live about two miles from it, and that's okay. the closest uh, Super Walmart from my house. I will not allow my wife to go there by herself because it's so dangerous. Okay? Oh, interesting. And one time one time I went shopping there 
And my wife says, I hate for you to even go there because you hate it so much. Mm. Um, I was walking out, and a guy followed me towards my car, and I turned around and yelled at him, and he took off. But it is, um, there are many, many beautiful Walmart stores here in Wichita. But that one is, uh, even the employee, even even the employees don't like it. Seriously, it really is. It's just a, it's just, <clears throat> it can be better if they would want it to be better, but uh, it is the least popular Walmart here in Wichita. Uh, like I said, there are many, many, many beautiful Walmarts, super Walmarts here in Wichita. Sure. And actually, there's a few of the little Walmarts in Wichita that are fine. But Do we still have Andy, the market, like the Walmart? I, I know there was on Mays for a while, there was the Walmart market that was specifically nothing but just a grocery store. I don't know if that's still there right now. I think they closed that. Well, uh, about 10 years ago or whatever it was, Walmart rolled out these little Walmart. And but right now, there's just a few left. Interesting. Yeah, I ha- and, I have not been to a, I got to admit and nothing against Walmart. I just I have not been to a Walmart in a very long time just because I got to be honest, I get really annoyed by usually the people that are there that <laughs> that are just strange. We'll put it that way. Like all the all the fun jokes and the memes about just the Walmart crowd is truly like that. I see it when I walk in there and it just drives me nuts. So I haven't been into a Walmart and it's nothing against the company itself. It's just you know, the the people that are just ridiculous there sometimes, and it's always so crowded that it's always hard just to go and do anything that I just, I, I haven't gone to a Walmart in probably a couple of years, and uh, I just, I've always found everything everywhere else. I try to support local business, I try to support small business, and Walmart just hasn't been my thing, so I haven't seen the quality of what it looks like inside recently. Well, uh, a beautiful, a very beautiful superstore is the one there at 21st and May. Yeah, that's and, a big one. That's a big one. And also, there is a little Walmart. I I think at Maple and Maze also. Now, you you're talking. We do have a Trader Joe's, Andy. We do. We really we uh, go to the twenty first and Rock Road area, and there is a Trader Joe's there, or or else look it up on the internet. Yes, I've been. Uh, they've only been in Wichita approximately a year or less than a year. And it is a very, a very fine little gro. Well, it's not a little grocery store. Yeah. Uh, but it's a very fine store. But, but yes, we do have a Trader Joe's and that Walmart there uh, at uh, Broadway. Um, if <clears throat> I don't know whether the company, I think the company has tried to better it, but uh, considering everything and uh, consider. Well, I'm just going to say it. Considering the people that shop there, good God, I don't, I don't see how uh, it's ever going to get better. Well, that's unfortunate, so, Frederick. That's good to know. I appreciate that very much. And I got to go check out Trader Joe's now. So, according to this list on the best grocery stores in the nation, the top ten, nine of the ten are Trader Joe's. Uh, for the best grocery stores in the country. So that's quite fascinating. I, and I know that Aldi's is also a branch sister, kind of the same company, same umbrella, just a different name. So they're essentially the same thing. And I know there's a couple Aldi's here in town as well. So uh, I know that uh, I, and I go there often and I enjoy those very much as well. So got to go check out the Trader Joe's. Frederick, I appreciate that very much. Interesting stuff. The quality of grocery store, where do you go to? 
and uh, what is your preference on where you get your food? I have to admit, and don't make fun of me, but uh, going down the health kick that I have been, I've really enjoyed the natural grocers myself. I've enjoyed a little bit of the, what's the other one? Not natural grocers, but uh, uh, Sprouts. I think there's a Sprouts in town. Been there a couple of times. Interesting stuff there. I enjoy that too. I enjoy, now, again, there's there's times where you see just the organic sticker put on something and it's like charged three times the amount just because it says organic. But uh, yeah, there's that as well. Hang on the line. I got to. I didn't realize how far we are from a break here. Got to take a break. When we come back, we got some other calls in line. We'll get you in just a moment. So don't go anywhere. 316-721-8255. Give us a call and let us know your favorite grocery store and your rankings across the state, even in Garden City. I know that you guys are out there as well. What grocery stores do you have and what are your top ranked ones? Trader Joe's apparently ranked the best in the nation. The Walmarts and the Dillon branches, King Supers, Dillon's, uh, or uh, Kroger. I take that back. Kroger, but Dillon's is a type of Kroger company uh, store, uh, ranked as the worst ones or least favorite ones in the nation. Is that true? Your thoughts on this? Right back here on Kansas Talk, right here, Wichita's Big Talker, KQAM. minutes past the hour. Welcome back into it. It is Kansas Talk, Wichita's Big Talker, KQAM. Thanks for hanging out with us as always. I will say, and this is not a knock or on any of these companies at all, because I honestly like Dylan's. I honestly enjoy going there. The few times that I go grocery shopping, Mrs. Voice of Reason is the one that does all that. She's the one that takes care of all the grocery shopping. I don't know, Little Voice of Reason's here. She goes grocery shopping quite a bit with us. Isla, I know. I know, you don't like to do it. Jump on the microphone for just a moment. What's your favorite grocery store? Do you like going to Dylan's? Um, sort of. Sort of? That one? Aldi's? You like Aldi's? That one's fun. No, no you, you no, you don't care for that one? What's your favorite one? Um, because you totally love shopping with Mommy. I do not. <laughs> okay. All right. There it is. Little Voice of Reason hanging out in studio with us as well. Uh, let's go to the phones here, shall we? Line number two. Good morning. Who's this? Hey, Frank, I'm up. What's happening, Sean? What's going on, brother? Hey, before we get to my favorite store, I got some bad news for you. Got some bad news. Uh Uh-oh. Now, I I hate to do this to you, Andy. It's probably going to ruin your day like it did mine, but it's important you know. Okay. Sam, the Uncle Sam that we all knew and loved, is now Aunt Samantha. Oh. Who knew it? Ooh, yeah. It's no longer Uncle Sam. It is Aunt Samantha. That is, I mean... Oh, how the times have changed. Welcome to 2024. Uh, yeah. <laughs> okay. <laughs> My, uh, grocery stores. I don't like a store. Uh, there's a, uh, okay, you got your regular Walmart, then you got your Walmart neighborhood stores. Those are the grocery stores. Mm-hmm. And there's one over here at Twin Lakes, where the Dillon's across the street, and neither one of them has cashiers. You know, you got to, Oh, self-checkout stuff, yeah. You get to become the employee. Huh? You get to become the employee and check out yourself. Yeah, I think I ought to get a discount for having to do all that work myself. (laughs) But uh, I don't like these really big stores anyway. I don't like going into them. I don't like having to walk five miles from one end of the store to the other just to get an item. 
Sure. So I rarely go into them unless I need something specific. I usually just go to the Dollar General over by where I live. But, you know, <clears throat> I don't like going shopping anyway. So when I do, get something, get a few items and get out as fast as I can. Sure. So, all right. Uh, all right. What about it? And I got to be honest. I mean, and again, this is not a knock on any of them, but I would love to personally would love to get to the point where I get the majority of the food from like a farmer's market, from a natural farmer's market, from a local farmer where I just buy like the meat directly from them. I go to the farmer's market and get my produce. You know, the the Mennonite communities around here that do an amazing job, you know, like Yoder Meats and stuff and some of these other smaller businesses that rock that. I would love to just get everything I could from them and just rock it that way. That would be kind of nice as well. Sean, I hate to cut you off. we got to take a break here. Uh, when we come back, right around the corner, Paul Wagner, state representative, joining us here on the program. But, yeah, I mean, very interesting. It's very interesting. Your favorite, least uh, and most favorite grocery stores in the nation being ranked. Wichita getting on the map and not for the best reason. Is that Walmart Supercenter on Pawnee the ninth worst in the nation when it comes to grocery stores? Is it the area? Is it the customer service? Is it just the fact that you don't care for it? What's the deal, man? Lots more coming up here on the program. Stay here. Wow, there it is. Man, kudos to whoever's putting music in the system. I I will be the first one to say, I did not put that in there. I did not put that in there, but I am uh, pretty happy that it's in there. Been a while since I heard that one. Boy, that brings back the memories. Uh, For those that don't know, that's the original album from Kid Rock. And, oh yeah, before he went all like country and like American and patriotic with his uh, country music. Yeah, he was like a rocker, rapper kind of thing in the 90s. Uh, So, little flashback here. I was... Oh, I was actually about uh, Little Voice of Reason's age. I was about 9, 10 years old doing summer baseball tournaments. And to get jacked up and pumped up and ready for the baseball tournaments, we'd be cranking that in the car every single time that we'd go to a baseball studio so or a baseball field. So, yeah, that was a good time. Welcome. Well done on that one. I got to applaud the... Uh, uh, the the person I put in charge of putting in some bump music in the program. <laughs> Welcome in. 316-721-8255. Have not heard yet from State Representative Paul Wagner. We'll get him on the program here soon uh, when he calls in. So just running a few minutes late. Not a big deal. So still open lines to you. I do want to shift gears a little bit and start talking about some legislative issues. We are working on some big ones. And look, I mean, focus, priority number one. And the state legislative session needs to be Republicans. How about we get our act together and we start working together and actually making something happen? Right now, we have a supermajority in both chambers, which you would think would be like, well, we have an easy way to we can pass the legislation we need. We understand the governor's going to veto it because she is the veto governor, even though she said she's not a veto governor. She has vetoed more pieces of legislation than any other governor in like the last 40 or 50 years. And while she says that she wants to work together with Republicans, while she just spoke at the luncheon from Kansas State University a couple of weeks ago, she said she wants to work together, hold hands, work in the middle, find common ground. And yet she calls us the extremists and she vetoes more bills than any other governor in the past 40 or 50 years. So she's not really acting the way that she's talking. And this is kind of one of those is do as I say, not as I do mentality, I need you to work with us, meaning I need you to do everything that we want, and therefore we're finding happy middle ground and doing what we want. It's the typical story of what we see at the federal level, and we're seeing that right now in our state government as well, unfortunately, and that's just going to reiterate the division that we're seeing 
in the state. I still have an open invitation for the governor to come on this program and talk about her agenda and how she's actually working with Republicans because I haven't seen a single bit of her working with Republicans in the entire two terms that she's been in office so far. So if she thinks she has been, then please come on the program and explain it to us. But I have yet to see that. So every time that we pass a bill, Republicans essentially understand in the legislature that we have to pass it. We expect the governor veto. And then we have to figure out a way to override that veto. And that's where the stickler comes. Because we have enough Republicans. We have enough to do it in both chambers in the Senate and in the House. But for some reason, we have some Republicans that just don't feel like getting on board and working with us. And in fact, I keep using this as the example, but the tax bill that we saw a couple weeks ago that we were unable to even override the veto on the House side, it sounds like that we have personal issues going on, personal gossip, high school drama. It's like an episode of Mean Girls here where they want to go in and just try and spite leadership and turn on what would be best for the Kansas people the residents of the state, because of a personal vendetta that they have because they're trying to play an episode of Mean Girls. And I think they're trying to find some type of reality TV show uh, contract where they can try and play their games and then talk about the drama and the gossip. And they want to be part of like a Jersey Shore mentality here because that's what they're doing. That's the priority that they've had uh, for the time that they've been in office now. And when we had even three, uh, two or three legislators that actually turned from originally supporting it to not supporting it, reiterates that and oh by the way who did they talk to before they did that vote none other than dennis Pyle, the independent who claims to be the most conservative person in the legislature who became an independent in order to spite our last governor's race and now refuses to work at all with republican legislators on the senate side at all the two house members had a meeting with this individual and all of a sudden voila look at that during the time of the override veto vote they ended up changing their vote and not actually supporting the bill that they originally supported. So there's something strange going on in our legislature, and we have to address it. That being said, outside of the tax bill, we're coming up on another bill that could be extremely important in the state of Kansas. It's very controversial, and we already know the governor's going to veto the bill because, well, she's already vetoed it once, I believe, in the last session. According to KSNT News, Kansas lawmakers debate a gender transition ban for minors. Yeah, that's back on. Now, again, it's sad that we even have to address this issue, but here we are. We have to try and protect our kids and the youth of America uh, and the youth of Kansas because, well, the progressives are coming at them hard. According to the House Committee on Health and Human Services, they are discussing two different bills, including HB 2791 and 2792, that would effectively render the state's health care professionals incapable this is the quote from the media. Incapable of providing gender transition treatments, including surgery and hormone therapy to children. Now, I was not aware of how bad this was in the state. As we heard from a couple legislators throughout the past few weeks on this program, you heard that there's actually schools that are trying to treat hormone blockers and transitioning um, therapies to children even without parental consent. And the fact that we know about that is because apparently it happened to the children of one of our own legislators, which means it's a major, bigger issue than what we thought it was in the state. You would think that while this is a national issue, 
We're getting all worked up about national things. We're trying to just, you know, talk about Joe Biden and talk about Democrats and Bernie Sanders. That, Andy, you're not focusing on statewide issues because we're a flyover state. We're a center-right-leaning state overall. We're doing pretty good in the state compared to other. We don't see the same issues that we see in California, or we don't see the same issues that we see in New York. We don't see the same issues that we see in other larger metropolitan areas. But apparently that's not true. And apparently this is happening. And while there may be only one or two cases, the fact that there's one or two cases and with parents that are throwing fits or students that are throwing fits or kids that are trying to pretend like they're actual cats or something, wanting to put litter boxes in their classroom, uh, (laughs) that's not happening here in Kansas yet. But it's coming. It's coming. It always starts on the uh, coasts, on the east and west coast, and it works its way in. And we're the last holdout, man. We try to preserve the best we possibly can before things start going haywire on our front. But House Bill uh, 2791 and 2792 would effectively render the state's healthcare professionals incapable of providing gender transition treatment, including surgery and hormone therapy to children. This should be common sense. And I'm optimistic that Republicans in the legislature can pass something like this. But the question is, can we override the governor's veto? We were incapable of doing so last session. We need to pass it this session. We need to make this happen. This is kind of like the Women's Bill of Rights that we were able to pass last year and uh, just defending women's sports. Isla, uh, okay, jump on the radio again with me for just a moment. You p- play volleyball, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Do you like volleyball? Yeah. Is that your favorite sport? Yeah. Yeah, okay. What if boys started playing on your volleyball team? Would that be okay? No, no. She's shaking her head no. Why would why would, why not? Why can't a boy play? Why can't a high school boy play on your volleyball team for girls? A high school boy because he thinks that he's a 9-year-old girl. Can he play on the volleyball team? Talk in the microphone. Oh, he can't play it. Why? Because he's in high school and because he's a boy and it's a girls volleyball team, right? That's what they're trying to do. They're trying to allow that to happen. If a boy wanted to play on your volleyball team, even if they're older and if they wanted to play, then they have to be allowed to do so. Is that okay? No, I didn't think so. She looks very confused. Why? Because it's a confusing conversation. And it's ridiculous. 316-721-8255. We were able to pass this Women's Bill of Rights last year. Thank God we were able to preserve that in the state of Kansas. Defining, again, the fact that we even have to be as stupid to think about what a definition of a boy and girl is. But we made that definition in our legislature. We protect our women's sports. So my little girl has the opportunity to actually play sports without a boy participating in that if she wants to become a volleyball player moving forward in middle school and in high school going into college, then her sport is actually protected for, I don't know, girls. What a wild concept. And yet, they try to fight it tooth and nail every step of the way. It's insane. So now we're trying to just take it the step further, again, protecting our children, and we know we're going to get the pushback from the governor. We know we're going to get the pushback from the Democrats because how insensitive that you may be. But yet, this one would ban the transgender uh, transi- uh, transition treatment That includes the hormone therapy, the hormone blockers, and the surgeries that would happen. And I will say, and this this could be a controversial statement, I don't really care, but if you're a parent allowing, let's say, your 9-year-old child to have transition surgeries at 9 and 10 years old when they still don't know what they're doing with their life as a child, then 
let's just say you probably shouldn't be deserving of the Parent of the Year Award at all, or even be a parent at all. Your thoughts on that? Controversial or not? 316-721-8255. Let's go to the phones here, shall we? Good morning. Who's this? Am I on? Uh, you're on. Yeah. Who's this? Oh, sorry. Sorry. I, I didn't. You don't even have a call screener, man. You are multitasking. We are multitasking. That's right. We just throw you right on and just throw you to the wolves here on the program. All good right. mo- good well, morning is, to you. This is just Mike. And uh, anyway, uh, calling about your uh, talking about the kids that want to be cats. Yes. Uh, if I can throw that out there. <laughs> I've got a granddaughter that lives uh, a little bit north of Houston, Texas. And really, the whole school system is very patriotic, very conservative. However, clear back in junior high, she's a senior in high school this year. But ever since she was in junior high, she has been around these kids that call themselves furries. And they literally wear fur and ears and tails and stuff. And actually, for some strange reason, have uh, believed they were cats. And I was talking to her the other day, and we were talking about, she goes, yeah, there's a whole herd of them that or i guess they would be a pride but anyway there's a whole bunch of them that uh you know she was aware of back in junior high that are still pulling this foolishness in high school now they don't make any special um uh, accommodations for them there is no gender neutral litter boxes in the closet anywhere but um uh, however clear back in junior high there was some kids that were you know, making fun of them because they should be made fun of. They were seriously reprimanded uh, for making fun of these kids that um, are somewhat less than. Now, what does this all normal, entail? Normal a word we can use? Yeah, what does this entail? Because my understanding of furries, I'm I'm intrigued the fact that children are being part of the quote unquote furries. I've heard of furries before, and they were more of adults who go to, like, underground clubs that do adult things with, like, furry things on. So the fact that children are playing furries, I, okay, I get it. You're fascinated with animals. You like you like the cat, for example. You want to wear a cat tail. Cool, but there's a line on what's acceptable in society for this here. So what exactly do these furries entail? Well, they literally, when they come to school, uh, some of them wear, you know, a... Um, I don't know, it kind of would kind of would look to me like a stocking cap with ears on it, but it's furry. It's got fur. Yeah. And now rem- remind remind you this is in Texas. <laughs> and uh, you know, my grandson's already playing baseball cuz uh, you know, it's 85 degrees there. And uh so but they do. They see him in the stores, they see him and uh y- you know, they wear tails and and uh, headdresses that have little pointy ears, and some of them have glued-on little whiskers, you know. And, uh, and I mean, you know, this isn't just, you know, the end of October. I mean, it's all year round. Yeah. And uh, so, but, you know, I was talking to her the other day, and she goes, oh, yeah, there's still a whole herd of them, or excuse me, pride of them that uh, <laughs> hang around in, in uh, even her high school. Now, some of them went to other schools, but there's a contingent of these uh, grown high school students and their guys and gals. Oh, how the times have changed. I mean, I remember the fad, you know, when you're going through that. Time, and I get it. Middle school, high school, it's a difficult time. You're trying to figure out who you are. You're going through your changes. You're doing your thing. And you you get into these 
realms and you know everybody has like their goth stage where they're wearing the black nail polish and they're wearing their black hoodies and they're wearing you know i get that kind of stuff but oh how the time change. we've gone from like being goth because you know we have to express ourselves in that way to furries and that's well, a that's yeah, a that's I, a drastic well, change there <laughs> i'm i'm way old enough to be your dad and uh you know back when i was in in junior high we were um i'll tell you a quick story uh, we couldn't wear our shirt tails out oh. unless unless they were straight cut, if they were regular long-tailed shirts. And I had this very favorite Paisley shirt, and I walked down the hall before school with my tail out. Vice principal comes up and says, ah, tuck that shirt in. All right. Wow. So I tucked my shirt in and walked away. And in the school I went to, there was kind of a main hall and then a parallel semi-main hall that went down the other side so as soon as i turned the corner i untucked my shirt you rebel and, uh, you rebel oh my gosh yeah i was just <laughs> you know so guess who walks around the unmain hall again and meets me and says i thought i told you to tuck that shirt in i said oh i'll tuck it he goes no i got a better idea come with me mm -hmm. so he brings me out in the main hall in front of the main office and says stand right there i said okay so then he comes out with this giant pair of scissors and cuts my shirt tails off straight oh. and hands them to me and says, now you can wear that shirt out. Wow. You rebel now, you. Was, yes, this was in Wichita, Kansas. It was a junior high, and it was, you know, back in the 60s. But anyway, uh, and, of course, I went, you know, sniveling. And, of course, guess what? I tucked that shirt right in because it really didn't look right now. Yeah. And uh, so I took my cut off shirt home and i kept the tails and of course back then what did my mom do she sewed them back on yep wow. and of course you can't wear that shirt out now because it looks you know like your shirt tails got sewed back on so and and you know what uh my parents didn't go to school and 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 ask for his head on a plate and um my gosh man Oh, so, how the times anyway. have changed. Yeah, that's uh, yeah. you rebel you. I tell you, being able to tuck out your shirt. Oh. Yeah, oh, how the times have changed. We went from that to, you know, the goth stage wearing hoodies and, and black eyeliner and black makeup oh. to uh, now we're apparently wearing furries and, and uh, you know, kitty cat oh, hats crazy. and tails and stuff. Do, yeah. Do you know what one of the favorite <laughs> punishments from the shop teachers were? Ooh. You'd get to go back to wood shop after work and make paddles. Oh, that they would use on the, you. Oh, yeah, and I never got <laughs> one used on me that I didn't deserve, but they were made to a specific, you know, I mean, you had a template, and if they weren't right, the shop teacher would saw them in half, and you got to come back tomorrow night. So they would they would make you make the paddles that they beat you with, and I never got a slot that I didn't deserve. There it is. And, and I have no scars, not even emotional scars, other than the fact that I have a great respect for a little old lady named Mrs. Phipps, who was the most feared swatter in the entire school. Man, she even had the reputation. The That's right, even oh, more than gosh. the coaches. I oh, love it. Oh, my gosh. I anyway, love Mike, have a great day, sir. You as well, my friend. I appreciate the phone call. Good stuff. There it is. The times have changed pretty dramatically now. The furries in school. I didn't know that was a child thing, and maybe that's the open door of what they're trying to do to the children as well. I knew of the adult furries, did not know about the child furries, so you opened my mind on that one. Mike, I appreciate it. Have a great weekend, my friend. Appreciate the call very much. Got to take a break right here on Candace Talk, Wichita's Big Talker, KQAM.
Welcome back into the program. Thanks for hanging out today. It's Kansas Talk, Wichita's Big Talker KQAM. So, all right, here's the new question for you. What did you do in your rebellious phase of life? What was your rebellion as a kid? What did you do? You know what I did? Mine was very, very taboo. And this was not so much from school, but from my parents because who were super strict and we butted heads quite a bit at that time, obviously, because that's just what we do as kids at that time. You know what I did is very rebellious. I gelled my hair. I I did. I did. I know. Terribly sorry. My uh, <laughs> This is more on my dad's side. Uh, thought, you're going to lose your damn hair. I wasn't allowed to wear ball caps and I wasn't allowed to gel my hair. I wasn't allowed to style my hair at all. It was just supposed to be like there or something. So, yeah, I gelled my hair and I wore a baseball cap. That was that was my rebellion. <laughs> that was my rebellion. Now you can see, for those that actually watch the video feeds, uh, which, by the way, you can find on our Facebook page right now at, at uh, facebook.com slash 1480kqam. You can watch our video feed, and you can always see us during, a, during the weekday program. I now have a braided mohawk, and it is very long. And when I take it out, my hair gets down to about my shoulder. Why? Maybe I'm in the rebellious phase right now. I don't know, but I kind of enjoy it. And I've never been able to do anything in style like this. But what was your rebellious phase? What did you do at that time? Apparently now kids today wear furry things. And they become furries. And they think they're animals. A little bit different from the time when I was in school when most of the kids at rebelling were goths or the emos. If, you know, the skater emo kids. That would like, you know, color their hair and then like do the skateboard stuff, bruh. It was awesome. Uh, I hung out with them. They were a lot of fun. I never went down that phase. I have blonde hair. And if I dyed my hair black or something, then it would be there forever because it's so like white. <laughs> so I didn't have a chance to do that. But what was your rebellious phase? What did you do in your times of rebellion? We'll do some more of that when we come back. Plus, Rodney Redinger, he'll be joining us uh, right around the corner. And Paul Wagner may join us next hour as he's been tied up with some stuff. So we'll get the state rep on the program as well. Hour number two at Kansas Talk coming up right around the corner. Stay here. Truth Unfiltered. Broadcasting live from West Wichita in the KQAM studios. It's time for your weekend kickstart with Wichita's number one conservative talk radio host. This is Kansas Talk with Andy Hoosier. Yes, indeed it is. What's up? Welcome into it. It is Kansas Talk, Wichita's Big Talker, KQAM, 1480 on that AM dial, 99.7 HD4 on the FM dial, if you have that smart radio. Also, our friends out in Garden City, Kansas, 1240 KIUL, as well, joining us on the program as you do every single weekend. So great to have you. Happy new weekend. Happy Saturday morning. Trying to kick it off. It's The weather's still strange. I don't quite get it. My brain hurts a little bit going from 60s, 70s to flurries to... Apparently back up to 60s and 70s again today. I don't know. I'm so confused. The rebellious thing, kind of interesting to talk about. We, I still want to get your thoughts on it. What did you do to rebel against the system? Whether it was your parents, whether it was the system, school system. What did you do to express yourselves during that time of school? Because nowadays, apparently, we've gone from like not being able to tuck in or untuck your shirt to... In my day, it was, again, like the goth or the emo stage to nowadays, it's like the furries or let's just transition our gender altogether. And I do think, I truly do believe that that is part of a rebellious stage because it's the popular thing. It's really cool. I get a lot of attention. I feel like I'm a victim of society. I feel like I don't fit in. I want to be unique. I want to be different. And everybody goes through that phase, do they not? 
They want to be. They want to feel unique. They want to feel special. They want to feel like they are different from everybody else. And nowadays, it's so difficult to do that. And I think that the system, air quotes here for the radio listeners, if you want to look at it that way, that we've created that. That ever. I mean, obviously, everybody is special. Everybody is unique. But we don't accept it for just the fact that we are. We have to be the ones that make the media. We have to be the ones that everybody looks at. We have to be the ones that hold town hall meetings to discuss. That's the type of special that we want to be. And I I truly think that a large portion of those that say that they are confused about their gender, they say that they are confused about uh, their orientation, they're confused about their personal identity, I truly do believe that it's nothing more than a cry for attention because they are, and this is not a bad thing, I'm not saying it, I'm just observing here, that they're looking for that uniqueness. They're looking for that individual identity that stands out because they want to feel that extra special attention. And it's a phase that will grow out. In fact, according to the studies that show that close to 90%, 95% of those that feel like they're confused about their uh, gender-ishness uh, during those uh, teenage years in the middle and high school ages, that they grow out of that. It's a phase that they grow out of by the time they get in their 20s. Be like, oh, yeah, that was really stupid. Just like when you had in high school, if you had like the really long like hair as dudes and you were all the way, you had that down and you're like, wow, that was a really dumb haircut back in the day. Or, you know, if you had your your goth stage and you're like, wow, painting my nails black and my eyeliner black every day and listening to, you know, what is it, Three Days Grace and listening to some of that stuff. Like, wow, all right, that was a phase. It was a phase and you grow out of it. I hope you're still not emo at the age of 40 years old. If so, I guess kudos to you. I don't really care. But uh, all how the stages grow. And nowadays, the rebellion has changed to something that's pretty more dramatic in society. To now, apparently, we hear about the furries for kids, the furries or the gender transitionings, or whatever else that we do. We'll get back into that conversation in a little bit. We do have the legislation going on in Topeka right now, looking to ban some of those transgender, what they call treatments in uh, the media, including some of the surgeries and hormone therapies for children, trying to ban it with two bills that are working through the uh, the House Health and Human Services Committee right now. We'll get back to that here in just a little bit. Uh, Paul Wagner, state representative from the Hutchinson area. He will be joining us on the program coming up at the bottom of the hour. But as you know, some of the other big news going on right now has been the fact that we're at the end of February, beginning of March, and that we are now in apparently wildfire season. And in fact, the wildfire is going on, and we actually broadcast on one of the stations down in that area, the Panhandle of Oklahoma, Panhandle of Texas, down near the Amarillo area, working its way up towards Oklahoma the fire area coverage is is like the size of like the state of Rhode Island is how big that this fire has been. I know Texas has declared a state of emergency and getting resources from the federal government, the state of Oklahoma doing the same thing. And now we're seeing fires pop up here in Kansas even as well, which blows my mind because I get it. It's been warmer and the last couple of days has been windy. But I thought that we were getting out of a drought. I saw more rain than we've seen in a long time. We saw some snow. In fact, we broke a record in November for the most amount of snow we've seen in Kansas since, I don't know, like the last couple decades or so. But apparently still dry and windy and warm conditions just set off the fires early on. And if that's happening now in February, what the heck's going to happen as we get closer to the summertime? When it's 120 degrees. Happy to have on the program. Good friend of mine. Haven't had him on the radio show yet, which I don't know why. So excited to have him on to talk about some of this and more. He's the former mayor from the community that I reside in. Also, he's with the Kansas Forest Service as well. Happy to have on the program here, Rodney Redinger. Rodney, how are you, my friend? 
Hey, good. How are you doing? Happy to be here. Yeah, good to have you on the program. What a wild time. I don't remember hearing about massive wildfires and declarations of emergency for wildfires and looking for resources in February. Is this kind of an unusual thing right now? So, yeah, I mean, it's it's uh, unusual. I wouldn't say uh, it's, it's never happened. I can think of a few fires uh, from, like, the 2006 time frame that were that, that we had in late February. Um, but yeah, it's, it's definitely not, not, I would say the normal. Are we doing better from what you've heard? Are we doing better on drought conditions? As I mentioned, I mean, we got a decent amount of rain the past few months during the winter time. We've had more snow than we usually get. So I know the ground's been a little bit softer. I felt it like, is that helping the situation right now? So it, yeah, it's kind of, uh, it's a little bit deceiving, right? We get all this moisture, had all the snow, uh, you know, around Thanksgiving, and then it got really cold and had had more rain and, and all that stuff. And that's great for the for the soil moisture, and it's great to bring us out of the drought um, to start kind of trending our moisture uh, up, you know, up a little bit. Yeah. But where it's a little bit deceiving is uh, so all our grass and all, a lot of our fuel is dormant this time of year. And so it's not taking on that moisture, so it's not really getting into the fuel. And in the wildfire world, we, we talk about grass as being a uh, a one-hour fuel, meaning that um, as the moisture in the air goes up within about an hour, the the grass will will follow the same trend, right? And so, but it but it works the same, the opposite. So when the humidity goes down, um, and we get five, 10, 15 percent humidity, the moisture that's in the fuel that's actually burning on top of the surface actually goes goes down and follows the same trend. So when the air is dry, the grass is dry. Interesting. That makes sense. We have seen, I guess we haven't gotten any recently, so the grass has been dry and the grass just starting to come out. It, it breaks my heart. We're going into, I guess, an early spring this year and the fact that we're starting to see a little bit of green pop up with some grass and then we're already seeing it burn away. That kind of makes me sad. Yeah, you know, I mean, uh, it, it is, it's a tough cycle that, that we're in. And hope the, the hope kind of is that uh, the moisture that we have in the ground and maybe some of the warmer temperatures will bring that green grass on. And once it, once it becomes predominantly green, then, uh, then the fire danger significantly goes down, yeah. um, which is why typically like in Kansas, we see less fires um, as we get into that May, June, um, time frame because the grass is green up and it's taking on that moisture um that we have in the kind of in the subsoil yeah let's let's talk about the fire that we just heard recently up in the salina area saline county i know that they were battling that what's the latest that you've heard from that one is that one under control now did uh, was there a whole lot of damage or what started that fire um well there's a lot in that question right uh, so i don't i don't know the specific cause of it yet um a lot of times, you know, before we release that, we want to really make sure that it's it's for sure what it is. Um, but uh, yep, it sounds like it's uh, it's under control. The the crews up there did a very good job of, of protecting a lot of the values at risk. Um, I haven't seen any um, any official damage reports from from that incident yet, um, but it does sound like it's uh, it's under control, and they are. Uh, just mopping things up and making sure that that fire is not going to go anywhere um, as we get into the warmer, drier, windier conditions today and tomorrow. 
Yeah, good. That is good news. At least they're trying to get that one contained. The big one, obviously, that everybody's been following is the one down in the Texas Panhandle area of going up into Oklahoma. Uh, have you heard any news, or have uh, do we have resources down there assisting in that one? What's the latest that you've heard from that big fire? Because that's a massive one. They said that that's covered about the size of about the state of Rhode Island, which tells me two things. Number one, that that's a very large fire, and number two, that that just shows the size of Texas when that's only happening in the Panhandle area. <laughs> So I haven't heard uh, a lot. You know, we've had uh, a fair amount of stuff going on in in Kansas, and so I I try to sometimes I have to focus my priority. My priority has to focus on on our state a little bit. But yeah, um, I know we have some folks um, available to go to Texas uh, if if the if the need arises. Um, I'm not aware of any resources that the, that we have in Texas right now. Um, but yeah, I mean, you know, pushing a million acres or whatever, that's, that's a, that's a large fire and that's extremely hard to to coordinate resources and stuff when you get something that, that big. Yeah, that's brutal. Uh, That's devastating with, uh, with that area. And, uh, hopefully they can start getting that one contained as well. If this is the first sign of what we could see for this year, I mean, I looked at the the Farmer's Almanac, and we were supposed to have a little bit more moisture during the wintertime, which obviously did happen. But obviously, we get pretty warm here in Kansas throughout the summertime. Is this a, are you concerned about this is the sign of what could be a very busy year for you guys and a very troubling year for wildfires across the Mid-America region uh, going into the summer this year? Yeah, I mean, so most of the, uh, and I, I mean, I can really only speak to kind of to Kansas on this, but for the most part, um, you know, a lot of, uh, a lot of it depends on, on the weather systems that come through. I mean, we can be, we can be dry, uh, and you know, the fuels can be really dry. And if we don't have, but if we don't have the systems coming through with, with big wind shifts and big cold fronts coming through and that kind of thing. Um, you know, then then our fires will will stay relatively small, right? And so sure. it's a little bit hard to to predict. But um, the way things are are kind of shaping up right now, with the amount of fuel loading that we have, especially when you get down along the um, Kansas Oklahoma border uh, out out in southwestern Kansas, you know, there's a lot of fuel out there. So the things that we know, uh, they're they're lining up to, you know to cause some concern and we've, we've seen some of that already um, just with the fires that we've, that we've had. And, and so, yeah, we're um, from the forest service perspective, we're, we're doing what we can to get our message out there about, you know, if there's things that you can do to, to prevent the spark from, from starting the fire, then, you know, we all, we all play a key role in that too. So. Yeah. Amen to that. And that's where I wanted to go. We got just a couple minutes left here. We're talking with Rodney Redinger with Kansas Forest Service. Uh, let's talk about some of those preventative measures, not just to limit, you know, actually starting a fire by not obviously throwing out your cigarette butt outside your window when you're driving down the highway sort of thing, but preventative measures on actually limiting damage if there is a fire in your area, not to have it burn down your farm, burn down your house, burn down your barn, that sort of thing. Uh, I've always heard, I mean, I grew up in Colorado where, you know, we had to clean up some of the pine needles and some of the dry debris around our house just in case there was a fire in the area uh, to make sure that we had the least amount of burnable objects that that could uh, spark very easily all cleaned up. 
Do you do that around here as well? I mean, some of the controlled burns, trying to limit some of that exposure in certain areas. Is that a big focus? What can we do to try and make it as manageable as possible this year? Yeah, so a lot of that stuff isn't isn't any different. You know, like any burnable material that's up close to, to a house or sheds or barns or, or anything like that, you know, if we can get that stuff pulled away. Um, and, and to be honest with you, like there's some really good uh, material on the – on the internet about it and if you want to check some of that stuff out at the uh, shameless plug here for the kansas forest service website that you can uh you can check out and we have some ready set go um information out there we also have some firewise information um that's on there that can give a lot of people really uh really helpful hints and and tips and tricks to um to do what you can do around your place to uh you know limit the limit the risk, limit the exposure to, to fire there. So, um, but all that kind of stuff, removing burnable material, cleaning out your gutters, um, moving firewood, if you have firewood from the winter stack next to your house, when, you know, moving that away, um, just giving that defendable space to your property is always helpful. Sure. I love it. Great tips. Yeah, it's a great way. And uh, I got to start working on that myself just a little bit because uh, you never know when something's going to happen in your area for sure. By the way, if you want more information on that, you can go to the website at kansasforests.org, kansasforests.org. Rodney, we're out of time, my friend. Good stuff. Great tips. And uh, hopefully we see a relatively smooth summer this year. But uh, I know you guys are prepared. You guys are ready to go. And hopefully you guys, uh, it's, it's not to say that, you know, we don't want you to work, but hopefully you don't have to do a whole lot this summer. That would be a good thing, right? <laughs> yep, absolutely. Uh, always prepared, but uh, always hoping for the best, you know? That's right. There it is. Rodney, we appreciate it, my friend. Let's get you back on and do some more of this real soon. All right. Thanks, Andy. Appreciate hey, it. Right on, brother. There it goes. All right. 21 minutes past the hour. We'll take a break at your phone calls on some of this and more. Are you prepared for the summertime? It's Kansas Talk, Wichita's Big Talker, KQAM. Lots more to get to. Stay here. Five minutes past the hour. Welcome back into it. It is Kansas Talk, Wichita's Big Talker, KQAM. Thanks again to Rodney coming on the program, Kansas Forest Service. Definitely some interesting information. I thought I was getting away from the wildfires when I moved out to Kansas. Growing up in Colorado, I remember all the every time, every year, every year it was a big chore, and we always had to go out and clean out because there were we lived in the mountains. I mean, we lived in the forest in the mountains at 10,000 feet up, and we had to go out and clean out all the dry pine needles that were all over the place because that was the only thing that grew was pine trees. That was the only trees that we had out there. So we had to clean out all the dry pine needles from all around the house as far as we could, trying to clean those up, trying to make sure your yard was nice. And I mean, we didn't have a yard. It was mostly dirt and rocks because we were on the side of a mountain. But we cleaned up all the pine needles so that way if there were, God forbid, a wildfire, which there were a lot of them that would blaze through the mountainsides in in the areas, that uh, we would at least have a chance of preserving our house without some dry pine needles that was literally just Kindle waiting to be fired up. So, yeah, that was definitely a, th- a chore that we had to worry about every single year. you got to worry about that stuff here as well. So be careful, be wary, and uh, be prepared for what this year's uh, going to see potentially. Now, I am optimistic. I don't, I- I'm hoping that we can get enough moisture going around that we don't have to worry 
about major wildfires this year. And supposedly we're supposed to start seeing those changes. But who knows what the future could hold it because 2024 is really looking at 2023 and saying, hold my beer. I want to tell you about my friends over at Napoleon Appliance Repair. You can find them online. You can also give them a call. Don't let your appliances die on you. If you're trying to make the dinner for the family get-together, if you're just trying to make dinner in general, if you're trying to work on whatever you do with your household goods, don't allow your appliances to fail you. You can go in and get a tune-up. You can make sure they're running smoothly, especially with, I don't know, like winter or summertime coming up here. You might want to check your air conditioner, for example, and start getting that prepared and ready to go. Do a test on your furnace after you've been running that all winter long. You can clean out your, you can clean out your stuff, and these guys can help with any of your appliances. Whether it's your dishwasher, whether it's your refrigerator, your microwave, your washer and dryer, whatever type of appliance that you may have, these guys can help. They are ranked best of in the state of, or in the city of Wichita. They've been doing it two years in a row, being ranked best of. They have years of experience for sure, and you can give them a call. 316-409-1525. Again, 316-409-1525. Give Napoleon Appliance Repair a call. You can also follow them on their social media at Napoleon Appliance Repair LLC on Facebook. Great partners with us here on the program and with KQAM Radio as well. I want to give you a little bit of a tease just to let you know. Now, there is very few details out yet. We'll have some more information as it comes along. But as you know, we had a great event just a couple of months ago with Brian Kilmeade with his Teddy and Booker T book tour. And we had the honor to bring him out to the Wichita area. Had a wonderful turnout for that. And it went very well. We are excited to launch some more events coming up here in Wichita for KQAM. We have some more events that are in the works. And I want you to pencil something in. This is the first tease that you're, you're getting. Like, And I can't talk about much of this yet as we're still collecting some of the details. But pencil in Thursday, April 11th. We have another fun event. Now, this is going to be after the presidential preference primary in Kansas. And this is going to be KQAM's major launch to election season. We're going to have a town hall. We're going to have a panel discussion. We're going to be partnering with Americans for Prosperity, having them uh, help with this as well with a guest uh, guest speaker. And our very own Todd Starnes of the Todd Starnes Radio Program will be coming in to be part of this, to be participating, and part of his book tour as well. You will be able to get a book with him, and uh, you can meet him, do the meet and greets, get your book signed, get some pictures, listen to the great panel discussion. It is KQAM's election season launch, and we're excited to do that Thursday, April 11th. More details coming soon. We have some time to get ready for it. We'll have some information on how you can get your tickets and get reserved and ready to rock this one. It's going to be fun. This is our way to get you ready make sure that you're ready for election time here in kansas that'll also be about the time that we're wrapping up with the legislative session so we'll probably have some of our legislators there to give an update on what happened in topeka for the year as well it's going to be a great event lots more information coming up soon but just a little breadcrumbs the teaser of what you get to look forward to kqam rocking it this year we're going to do more events than we've ever done before why because we see you and we see how much you're paying attention and what you're doing this year, and we're going to be right along with you. It's Candace Talk. It's Wichita's Big Talker, KQAM. Lots more to get to right around the corner. State Representative Paul Wagner from the Hutchinson area, District Number 104, right around the corner when we come back. Stay here. Kansas Talk with Andy Hoosier 
on the Big Talker KQAM. Yes, indeed it is on the home stretch. Last half hour of the program. Oh, how it flies by so quickly. So much to talk about, so little time to do it, and it's so great to have you with us here every single weekend on Kansas Talk. 316-721-8255 on the Maximum Outdoor Equipment Hotline. We'd love to hear from you. Interesting conversation with the Kansas Forest Service, how we can prevent some of those wildfires in the state. But let's get back to it as we head up to Topeka and talk about the latest out of the state legislative session. It's been an interesting session so far. We'll put it that way. We start. I had so much optimism and so much excitement about what the session could look like. And then we saw a couple of the big votes where we apparently just like to sabotage ourselves. Why the heck not? And it seems to be a trend that we see every single year to talk about some of that and what the heck else is going on in the session this year from District Number 104 in the Hutchinson area? Happy to have back on the program with us. It's been a little bit. State Representative Paul Wagner. Paul, how are you, my friend? Yeah, doing well, Andy. Um, good, good, good to be here uh, this this morning. Even though I'm later than I'm supposed to be, but still, hey. we're, we're we're here. You're so. a busy guy. I, I appreciate you jumping on here, and there there is definitely a lot of talked about. Uh, I, I want to start with the tax bill. Obviously, that was the big news from just a week or so ago where you guys ended up failing, being able to override the governor's veto on this. A couple of Republican turncoats that uh, we saw ended up changing on on this one. What what happened? And is there an opportunity, do you think? Will you see another tax bill before the end of the session? Yeah, you know, that that was hugely disappointing. I mean, I mean tax uh, bills, tax cuts are very much a Republican issue. It's very much a winning issue. And for people to go south on us and to basically jump in with Laura Kelly and the Democrats uh, is is very disappointing. I, I will say I talked to a couple of the people uh, because I, I'm very, you know, I'm a business owner, uh, very much, you know, kind of into the numbers on things. Yeah. And and just trying to understand what on earth. And some of the folks I think are, I think are very switchable. I just just think they very much misunderstand where where we are as far as on the. Um, you know, we're revenue. I mean, revenue is coming in. It's over ten billion. It's, you know, with interest, we're up to like ten point four billion. You know, expenditures are down nine billion, nine and a half, maybe at the very highest. I mean, we have this huge disparity right now between what we take in and what what we have for any legitimate, you know, spending reasons, and and this sort of concern about cutting taxes to even sort of bring them in line with any sort of reasonable expenses. Uh, it's sort of just a math uh, issue in, in some respects, though I think there's sort of a deeper issue. Uh, a few of the people, to me, seemed like they had been talked to by Laura Kelly and her gang and had been, you know, kind of made to believe or convinced that somehow uh, the, the tax bill was somehow reckless, which is, you know, again, Andy, we're sitting on like three and a half, four billion dollar cash reserve in total. Uh, I, I, I mean, there there is no way in heavens that you can you can plug in numbers that, that make this at all scary. It's it's frankly just giving the people what they deserve. I mean, they've been, they're clearly overtaxed. And and again, I um, you know, just some of the scuttlebutt in Topeka. I mean, I, I'm sure we're going to come back with a second plan. Uh, I sure hope it has the uh, flat tax component in it because you know you're not only thinking about tax cut, but you're thinking about tax reform, about what is in the best long term interest of Kansas. And and certainly going to a flat tax formula, I think is going to serve us well uh, down the road. 
I completely agree. What I still don't understand, and I've said this so many times on the program, is that I don't understand how the governor can go out on her state of the state address and say, we need tax cuts. And she talks about the tax cuts that she wants. And they're good tax cuts, getting rid of taxes on Social Security, yeah. uh, Social Security recipients and property taxes and so on and so forth. So we give that to her. We create a bill and we give her that bill. And then she turns around and vetoes it and calls it another brown bag tax cut. Like, yeah. what, what are we doing here? I, it, I, I, think, I think for Laura Kelly... Uh, it's it's just the kind of brown back boogeyman. Uh, boy, she she throws that out whenever she needs to, and I think anybody with any sense can see through it. Um, and and it's a good point, Andy. You know, her tax proposal was about a three hundred three hundred and fifty billion dollar or million dollar annual cut. You know, the Republican plan is about a five hundred and fifty million. I mean, you're really only talking the marginal difference of about one hundred and fifty. $200 million per year. Obviously, we want the bigger number for the taxpayers, but still, it, it, it's the sort of reckless uh, terminology she throws in uh, doesn't make any sense with those numbers. Yeah, it really doesn't. Well, hopefully we can see another bill. Hopefully we can actually get these guys back on track to actually vote with us. And if we have to override another veto, which is more than likely because, you know, Republicans evil thing, then hopefully we can have those numbers. Indeed. Yeah. Um, you know, I if I can jump in one thing, you were talking earlier about the whole on the transgender uh, yes. question and, and the bill that was up. You know, uh, my office is down on the first floor. I'm right across, which is a great location because you really see a lot of what's going on uh, just because, you know, the you know the different groups that come into the Capitol, you know, every day or every week will we'll set up uh, there. And, of course, the, the bill, I think it's uh, House Bill 2791 uh, on on surgery, you know, for minors on this transgender uh, issue. It was had a very interesting discussion. Uh, Dr. Bryce, who's a Republican uh, from Coffeeville, uh, who's one of the one of the lead speakers. You know, one thing that is so sad on this is just that uh, sort of the, the spin of the press and that this is gender affirming care and and the whole suicide question. He, he actually had had a great study that it was really just recently released that actually clearly demonstrated that having you know surgery, as it would be for minors, you know, doesn't decrease their chances for suicide. Uh, that, that, and I think, and it was very interesting to me because it indicated that if you, that what you have to do is hold steady or you, you control for factors like comorbidities or for like economic status and such, and that any studies that tend to show some sort of positive benefit, it's really just, you know, it's a higher income child that's getting this procedure versus you know, some regular kid who is somehow, you know, has this dysphoria uh, going about him. And, and I really, you know, you, you, you'll have these outside groups. I mean, they'll pack these hearings. Uh, there's lots of people in the hallways. Uh, I mean, in some ways, you know, they're kind of trying to intimidate people. But, you know, it really, once, it, once you've been in one committee hearing where you have this sort of uh, background noise going on, you just pretty much, you know, plug it away and, and look for the real issues and, and not be swayed by, uh, what the folks are, or what what the activists, as it would be, in front of you are trying to make you uh, think or believe. Sure. Yeah, it, they definitely show up, and it's a small, obviously, population that supports this type of agenda, but they always show up in the horse to try and show that their numbers are bigger than what they actually are. Uh, but it's it's wild to me that, and we were talking about it a little bit earlier, about the, the, the fads that we grow out of and these, these different phases of our life that we grow out of. And I don't yeah. know a single parent... That would be okay to say, you know, my daughter's nine years old right now, about ready to turn 10. And if she said, I want a transition surgery that would physically alter my body for my entire life, 
I would look at her and, and laugh at her and be like, are you crazy? You don't know what you want. You're 9, 10 years old. You don't know what the hell you want right now. No, if you're 30 and you feel like doing this, all the power to you. But at that age, what parent would say, you know what? You totally have your world figured out and know what you want for life. I'm totally going to give you a life-altering surgery that's going to change you forever. I don't I don't understand that concept. I, 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 I'm totally with you on that. I, I think that's one reason I think this issue has resonance that, it's such a common sense proposal uh, that the Republicans are making here, and and really to fight against it, you you really have to be on kind of the extreme edge uh, ideologically. I mean, you, you clearly have to have an ideological axe grinding uh, about gender and such. And and you know, our uh, uh, local newspaper uh, um, has well, actually it wasn't it wasn't the local the Hutchinson News, of course. A lot of the papers, you know, you really have to obviously you. You know, they're at this point. A lot of the small town papers uh, are just basically franchises for USA Today, and, and and you know, but but you really, it's just amazing to see how that type of media establishment press, you know, can spin the issue uh, and and try and make it seem odd that you think that there's just two genders, you know, or two sexes. That somehow that's a, that's an odd concept. Um, but again, um, the. I'll also say, you mentioned, you know, that things seem like they're kind of moving, it's been kind of, I don't know, slowly, and and there is a certain sense that it has felt that way, uh, but I, w- I will really, uh, you know, the House and Senate the last two years really work in tandem a whole lot better than they did, you know, my mm-hmm. first two terms uh, when I was here. I mean, the whole combination of kind of Masterson in the Senate and Hawkins in the House, uh, you, you know, you really see things, you know, can happen much quicker and I think I think with a lot more uh, oomph than than they did before. And so you know we have we still have three weeks uh, going in March, and then we have um, we're on the floor all that week uh, prior to Easter, and then we have conference committees after Easter. So you know we we got a lot of time uh, to, to do some some good projects. And uh, we expect a lot more is going to happen. Yeah, that is good news. And I'm right there with you. I love seeing Ty, uh, Ty Masterson, Senate President, and Dan Hawkins, the Speaker, be able to work together. The, the fluidity between those two are fantastic to be on the same page, have the same agenda. A lot of times they do their press conferences and statements together as a joint statement, showing that we're hopefully in unison in both chambers and most of, I'll say most of, the Republican Party uh, as well. We're talking with State Representative Paul Wagner, District Number, uh, district number 104 from the Hutchinson area. Let's talk about elections for just a moment. We're coming up on the first presidential preference primary in Kansas that we've seen since, I believe, the early 90s, where the Secretary of State's going to be holding this one. We're planning on, obviously, three big elections with that one, with the primaries in August, with the general election in November. This is a big election year, and you guys are still working on kind of fine-tuning this election season. What can we expect this year? What are you guys working on? You know, uh, one of the things that, that has come through you know, is the whole question on independent candidates. Uh, there was a bill, uh, House Bill 2516, that passed the House, uh, which, which requires independent candidates to collect signatures or petitions with 2% of the people who have voted in the last gubernatorial election, uh, which would be approximately 20,000. Prior to this, Kansas had this just 5,000, which is a very low limit, uh, which isn't even a quarter of 1% of the, of the annual vote. Or of the actual votes, um, um, it's a little controversial, perhaps, uh, because people think it's a reaction to the whole pile candidacy, which, in some respects, it is. But it, but it highlighted the fact that Kansas has this really low limit. Uh, you know, for somebody to run as an independent against one of the House members in Wichita or Senate members, 
they have to get a 4% level threshold uh, of signatures of folks who voted in the district to be on the ballot. You know, why on earth do we have a gubernatorial candidate that only has to get one quarter of 1% of mm-hmm. the signatures to be on the ballot? It, it, it made a lot of sense. Uh, it passed like 68 to 52, which, again, uh, you know, it's going to take some real push to get this going. But but the House has focused a lot, or the House elections, which I'm vice chairman of, um, you know, a lot of sort of fleshing out some of the details on just uh, election security. Uh, we had a number of the companies, uh, they had sort of a hosted a seminar down in the main floor, you know, kind of give, gave you a chance to look at voting equipment and ask questions. And, and there's a lot of really good security questions, you know, that were asked and we got some good answers on. Um, I'm also going to say it's funny. We have uh, we had a bill about just ensuring that all audits, because Kansas ha- kind of leads the way in having audits of its elections where we do random audits, which is a great way to catch any sort of attempt at systemic fraud. Uh, and and that to have those on the actual paper ballots, we actually had some of the uh, kind of far left groups that come and testify like, Loud Light uh, is a good example where they were very much in favor of, of having paper ballots used because, you know, they were folks who were very concerned that the 2014 elections were Brownback surprisingly won, you know, that somehow maybe it was rigged. And so, you know, uh, election security is kind of a bipartisan issue, certainly in Kansas. I mean, the Democrats, frankly, kind of worry in their own fashion uh, about, you know, what shenanigans somehow the GOP is pulling you know, as as we would on theirs. But um, yeah. um, but we you know, we, we, we've had a number of uh, other we're you know, we're going to we're looking at changing. And it also passed to on the Monday voting the, the day before the election to move that to Saturday so that the election clerks have more time uh, to prepare for the Tuesday elections. But but again, you know, the the presidential preference primary, which is coming up here in about three weeks, you know, is probably going to be a low turnout affair just because it's pretty much settled. Uh, for both the Republicans and Democrats. But again, yeah. uh, it is a good chance to uh, cast your vote and and uh, make your voice heard. Yeah, I, I am proud of our, our electorate system. I'm so glad you guys continue to work on fine-tuning the system. I know that after the 2020 elections, the states like Georgia ended up mimicking some of their reforms on what we do here in Kansas. So well, I still think yeah. that we do a great job. We can always fine-tune it and make it better, but we do a great job overall. I, I have a question. I've pitched this a couple different ideas, and we're the only ones, I think, that have talked about this. But you being on this committee, it, is it worth even a conversation or even possible? But at some point, I think states need to start looking at implementing some type of an electoral college system for a statewide level like we do for the presidency. And the reason I say that is because for statewide elections, whether it's a Senate race, whether it's a governor's race, a statewide office, that Governor Kelly won with seven counties out of the 105 counties we have in the state. Is that a proper representation of the Kansas people is it time that we start looking at with how diverse populations are with rural communities and larger cities that we implement a statewide electoral college system? Or is it possible? Yeah, you know, uh, that, that, that is an interesting question. Um, of course, you know, the, the federal electoral college system, you know, is based on the number of representatives, senators that we have. I mean, I mean, I think you would face the barrier from the 1960s where the Kansas Supreme Court um, sort of abolished the fact or said it was unconstitutional, where Kansas had like each county had one representative and the bigger counties had a f- couple of extra, but it wasn't, you know, proportional. I mean, um, 
you know, it's an interesting concept. I'm not, I'm not sure. Do you have other states that have done that? No, I mean, no, but I, mean, I think we need to. state elections? There's, no, I, but there's so many elections I, where we see that the, the the populated areas, I mean, Ohio with Cincinnati, Columbus, and Cleveland, they dictate a sure. statewide race. I mean, we have Pennsylvania where there's, you know, the Pittsburgh and, and Philadelphia. They dominate. And now we've seen they, they implemented it because there were populations, obviously, with states that had larger populations than others. But now we're seeing that diversity within states that I think it needs to come down to that level and at least have a conversation for it. Uh, that, that would be an interesting conversation. Uh, you know, but again, it's going to be a trick with the whole kind of one man, one vote on a state level, uh, you know, is is it's certainly going to be a hurdle, a hurdle to get over it. But, um, yeah. um, you know, talk, talk to the revisers. Write up a bill, and, and we, we can see what happens with it. I like that idea. Let's so. make it happen. It's I love it. A state representative, Paul Wagner, we're out of time, my friend. Real quickly, in just about a minute or so here, what's on the docket for this upcoming week? What do you guys uh, plan on as a priority? You know, we got a great House Welfare Reform Committee. Um, again, we are uh, have some uh, a hearing on kind of a, a bill on homelessness and some things that could be done that would be creative and helpful. Uh, you know, child welfare, uh, the whole question of why Kansas has so many kids in the, in the foster care system proportional to other states, uh, exactly, you know, how to flesh that out is something we're working on. But, um, you know, it's, it's, it's going to be, uh, I think some of the other committees are really going to have probably bigger uh, fish to fry than what we have, but, but all the committees are doing important work uh, up in Topeka. I love it. I love it. You guys are doing a lot of stuff. Hopefully we can see another tax bill again coming up as well and oh, fixing indeed. some of this stuff. So, Paul, it's always good to get you on, my friend. Keep up this fight. Let's get you back on and get another update soon. All right. Thanks, Andy. Good hey, to talk to you. You as well. Always a pleasure. State Representative Paul Wagoner. He's district number 104 in the Hutchinson area as we get our legislative update. Got to take a break. One more quick segment around the corner, wrapping up the program for a Saturday. It's Kansas Talk, Wichita's Big Talker, KQAM. Stay here. Welcome back into the program. we got just a couple minutes left here on the show. Thanks again to State Representative Paul Wagoner coming on the show here. District number 104 from the Hutchinson area. I, I think, I think every, you know, every show, every host has their focus that they like to focus on, trying to create different groups, trying to do things. I'm going to stick on this. There is not a single other talk show host, not a single other advocate that I know of that has implemented this, and we are going to focus on this. That is going to be our thing, baby. I want an electoral college at a statewide level. And if we can implement that here in Kansas, we can focus on trying to get every state to do this, having an equal representation at a statewide level. Look, it started off when populations were small in the states, but yet we saw one state having more of a voice than another state, which is why we hence like the Civil War, because the South didn't feel like they had proper representation at that federal level and they couldn't get their elected officials into office. So uh, we, we see the diversification now. We see the diversity within even the states with how populated states are and where they're centralizing larger cities and rural communities and the battle there. So we're going to implement this and focus on it. So don't worry, my friends, that's not going anywhere. We're the ones that started this movement. We're going to do it right here on Kansas Talk on my show on The Voice of Reason. We've talked about this many times before. I got just about a minute and a half left and the phones are lit up across the board. So let's try and squeak a couple in here. Keep it short so that way we can try and get a couple in. Line at number one. Good morning. Who's this? Good morning, Andy. It's Nick. Nick, what's up, brother? I just 
I just wanted to say I love Paul, Representative Wagner. He's uh, my my representative. Always enjoy him. Yeah. And I want to thank you personally for um, changing the volume of the news blast because uh, uh, we we come at the cafe here, we're listening, and then all of a sudden the news comes on, and it's like the volume is crazy. But you all fixed it, so I want to say thank you for that. <laughs> well, and then hey, uh, right. just one other thing. Um, it's my humble opinion that sometimes these conservative or say they're conservative Republicans are losing uh, elections and we have the foster care system with a lot of the kids in. And I, I, I just, it's my humble opinion that that's partly due to the way we treat uh, the cannabis plant. But I'll let you talk to other people and thank you. God bless you. You have a good day. Andy. Hey, you hey. as well, Nick. Hey, appreciate it. Always good to talk with you. Yeah, I'm glad that we are focusing on the foster care program. I know it's been needing to be cleaned up and I've heard, I wanted to, I wish we had some more time to talk with Paul. We kind of ran out of time, but I wanted to talk with him a little bit more about the foster care system and the number of kids that have been in it, which I think is hopefully has been on the decrease just a little bit. And at the same time, cleaning up the quality where they're not like sleeping in the offices of the uh, the system, because that's a little ridiculous. We have to clean that up. So I'm glad we're working on it. Glad we're focusing on it. I think Paul's a great guy. I think he's doing a great job on that one as well. Uh, had some other callers. We're out of time, my friends, though. I'm terribly sorry. We'll do it again next Saturday. We'll continue this conversation next Saturday. Oh, Secretary of State Scott Schwab. We'll talk about the election season. We'll talk about what's going on, getting you ready for the preference, uh, the presidential preference election. Are you going to show up to vote, or will the election be pretty much done and over then, and you don't feel the need to go out and vote for the presidential run uh, coming up on, what, March 19th, I believe? We'll talk about that coming up next week. Until then... Be your own voice reason, as always. Be educated on what's going on. We'll be back next week from 9 to 11. You can tune in for the voice reason on Monday at 4 p.m. as well here on KQAM, 8 p.m. out in Garden City on KIUL. We're always there for you. Until then, everybody, have a great weekend. Enjoy the warmer weather. We'll see you on the radio.